You are listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. For more information on my book and other resources, check out yellingcurebook.com. And if you like my show, then I want to tell you about a hilarious parenting podcast called What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. It's hosted by Amy and Margaret, who are both comedians and moms of three. But that's where the similarities end because Margaret is laid back to the max and Amy loves making lists and planning ahead. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, Amy and Margaret wrestle with a common parenting issue using research, lively debate, and tons of humor. So if you're stuck at home right now with your kids, this is the perfect escape. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts or at whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Hello, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome to Parenting Our Future. Okay, look. I have amazing guests. I am so lucky to have such incredible guests. And today is no exception. Today I have Dr. Shimmy Kang. She is an award-winning psychiatrist, researcher, media expert, and international keynote speaker. She's also a best-selling author of The Dolphin Parent and the newly released book called The Tech Solution, which is what we are all here to talk about right now. Um, She is also the founder of Dolphin Kids, the future ready leaders, uh, and the CEO of the Spark Mindset app. She's also received numerous honors, including the American Academy of Addiction Psychiatry and the YMCA Women of Distinction Award. Dr. Kang is also most proud of receiving the Diamond Jubilee Medal for her years of outstanding community service and of being a mother of three amazing but exhausting children. Dr. Kang, welcome. Thank you, Robin. I'm really excited to be here and I'm so excited to be with you in particular uh, because we've met a few times and had some very meaningful conversations and I know today is going to be fantastic. Yeah, this is so exciting because, um, you know, the people who I have on my podcast, I meet from different places and people contact me. And this is one of these uh, really sort of kismet moments where we have actually met twice before, even though you are an international, um, I'm going to say phenomenon. What you do, the work that you do is incredible. And you just so happen to be a fellow Canadian, which, of course, how can I not love? Yes, uh, we we are. So it's really exciting. We've met a few times in Vancouver, and uh, and it's been it's been great every time. So I'm really excited to talk to you about the tech solution because it is so confusing out there. I have two boys who are teenagers, and look, they love their tech. They love their technology, and I'm not gonna lie. I kind of love mine too. So tell me, tell me why you wrote this book. Right. Well, you know, I I wrote this book really, first of all, as a mother observing three children growing up in this moment in time and seeing how they were drawn to technology like a magnet, you know, even from when they were babies, it was just this draw that uh, I felt too when I didn't have my phone, you know, when I was uh, away from my computer and it really got me curious. And I think a lot of us were feeling this way. It's like, wow, something's changing in the world. Something's changing in our society. And then and my 
background as an addiction psychiatrist, I've been an addiction psychiatrist for almost 20 years. Um, I researched the brain, how it gets addicted and how to get away from it from in, ter in terms of motivation. So my expertise became in addiction and motivation. And I was fascinated by technology and this thing called persuasive design, uh, which is a purposeful embedding of uh, very sophisticated neuroscience using it to manipulate our brain's dopamine pathways. Uh, and dopamine, of course, is the neurochemical of addiction and reward. So, you know, it really all came together uh, as a mother, as a person who was using tech myself, uh, as a psychiatrist who was seeing case after case after case of families asking me uh, for help with their son's video gaming or, you know, their daughter's mm -hmm. social media use. Wherever I went when I was doing talks on the dolphin parent. Um, doing parenting seminars, the number one question was always technology. And all of that with my background in addiction just drew me to this topic. And I said, you know what, I need to figure this out for myself. Uh, and, you yeah. know, usually that's how I end up writing a book. Uh, that's how I ended up with the dolphin parent because I wanted to figure it out for myself. So it's here now. And um, it's a really, uh, it's much shorter read than the dolphin parent. And uh, I think what I hope is that it really helps break down this really important question uh, of technology use that can be really overwhelming for parents right now. It's totally overwhelming. And, you know, I've said this many times that we are the pioneers in this whole digital age and we don't know really what we're doing. We don't know what's too much, what's bad, what's good. But what I really like about what you're talking about first is you are talking about the brain. And that's really important because that's that's the whole point is we need to understand how it's affecting the brain. Um, and, you know, we, we just, we need to know the facts. So let's talk I have about my brain. Oh, you have a brain. Oh, good. Well, I mean, you have a brain and you have yeah, an extra we'll, brain. we'll use it. We'll use it today. <laughs> That's great. So listen, for those of you listening to the podcast, this is on YouTube, but it is also um, on IGTV. So um, parenting uh, for connection is, uh, is my Instagram uh, feed. It's Robin McMahon underscore parent coach parenting for connection. You can see it on IGTV there. And then of course on, uh, on YouTube as well. So, so yes, what do you have to show us for the brain? Or what can you tell us about the brain? Sure. So uh, this is a side view of the brain. And so if my head was like this, this is how it's sitting. And what we know about technology, if we understand um, the brain, it has layers, right? And this top layer is called our cortex. Um, that's the layer of the brain that evolved latest. It's where we get our very human traits of, uh, of problem solving innovation. Um, really, this is kind of what makes us who we are, this top part. Now, what we've been able to show and what the research is saying with technology is we're seeing uh, disruption of the myelin layer of this top part of our brain. What that means is the myelin is the insulation. It is the white matter that insulates our nerves that are responsible for sending signals to the rest of our body mind. So when that myelin is disrupted, literally we're seeing small holes in it. Um, the research has been in toddlers and young children who are on screens too much. And we also have it later in life. We're getting complete disruption of how the brain works. Um, it's impacting language uh, development and social skills development. 
And, um, you know, we are seeing uh, just less uh, volume there. Now, that's so important uh, because, of course, our brain uh, really runs the show in so many ways. But uh, the key here is it's the developing brain, right? So it's under construction and it's not fully mature yet. And now we're seeing some disruption and impairment. We're seeing a connection to anxiety, depression, body image disturbance, and addiction in adolescence. Uh, we're also seeing uh, physical health effects in terms of things like posture, back pain, uh, obesity, uh, sedentary mm -hmm. behaviors uh, with young people. And we're seeing social skills issues uh, rise in loneliness and a impairment in being able to have real life conversations, look people in the eye, um, and have those really important social skills that we need. So there's really uh, impact across the board, but I don't wanna say tech is all bad. There's profound benefits to it, just like yeah, our podcast say, today. Don't worry, you have solutions. Don't worry, don't worry. And this is what I love about your book. Not only is it not, um, it's, it's not an overwhelming read at all, but with each problem, you have a solution. So I just want people to have hope. I want our listeners to have hope because it's important that we come from that place that look, it, it is not all doom and gloom. Um, and I, I don't want anyone to turn this off and say, right. oh, forget it. It's too late. It's not too late. Right. It's right. not too late. It's never too late. And that's the great thing about the brain. But I think that we have to recognize, um, we have to recognize that absolutely there are things going on that we need to be aware of, right? Knowledge is power. And right. when we know better, we should be doing better, right? Yes. Or we yes. need to do whatever we can to do better, right? Absolutely. I love that. Um, yeah. Thank you for quoting Maya Angelou. It's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just dropping quotes like that. No big deal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, so, so it is really interesting that, that you said what you said um, a moment ago, which is you're noticing that, you know, everybody is drawn to this technology, right? And we do see that it's so easy to give a baby their, your phone and they're all about baby shark or whatever it is that we're listening to in the moment, right? Um, and so the developing brain, like you said, we're, we're, we are losing some, some skills that we have to have a conversation, social skills, um, different things. Um, and, uh, um, and it absolutely is that, that the best part of the brain is that cortex, right? Where we, where, like you said, it makes us who we are. So, so what happens if there's holes in the brain, like you're saying, or there's deficiencies, what is the solution there? What do we do? Right. Well, really, you know, we can't live without technology. I think that's just kind of not, you know, going to happen in this modern world. And, um, and technology has profound benefits. So, you know, in the book, I open up and I say technology is like the fire of our time. Um, meaning it is a human innovation that uh, when we think of fire, it was the thing that took us to the next level. And I'm sure parents back back in early uh, early human days, our, our ancient ancestors were looking at fire and they're saying, oh my God, you know, our kids need to know how to use this. Otherwise they will fall behind. Um, and the other people who know how to use fire are going to move forward. Uh, yet it can burn them and it can burn down the house. So what do we do? And I feel we're really at that same place. This is a powerful innovation. If we use it well, it will serve our children's health. It will serve their happiness. It will serve their 
motivation and, and technology will serve their success. If we don't use it well, it can destroy them um, and really cause significant impairment. So, you know, it's really, it's really that. It's not technology being good or bad. It's really how we use it. So the premise of the book really is talking about going further than screen time and understanding screen quality and understanding what's happening in our brain when we are using tech. Because all those negatives, uh, yes, um, you know, there are links to you know, the physical health issues uh, I mentioned and, and mental health issues and um, social health issues. Uh, and those need to be understood fully uh, because some of them are just uh, hidden. And I say, you know, even the posture of, of bending our neck forward and crouching down and, and, you know, being on a phone, our nervous system doesn't know why we're crouched down, not moving, not looking at people. It wonders, are you in a cave? Is there a hurricane? Is there a predator? You know, why are you, why are you crouched over and not moving? And it will fire that stress response. So like you said, knowledge is power and some simple things like, you know, sitting up, having different postures, using a standing desk um, can really help us utilize tech without the negativity. We don't, we can't get rid of it in our lives, nor should we. So, you know, I think what I try to do, as you say, is uh, each book I go through uh, our experiences, what's happening in our brain uh, with tech and um, most of the book is actually positive, you know, how tech is helping us. Uh, when I look at like, you know, there's at least four chapters on that. And, uh, but we have to understand the benefits and drawbacks to really make the proper choices. I think that's fascinating. I've never heard that before, that just the crouch down um, posture is enough to create a stress response. Um, I, and, and it's funny, I used to joke with my, well, maybe not used to, I still do. My husband is, uh, is in IT, so he's all over his phone. And I used to joke with him that the reason he has a bald spot at the back of his head is because his head is always down and I'm always giving him like the evil eye. I'm always like shooting daggers at him. I think I'm responsible for that little bald spot. Yeah, but I just want to jump in there, Robin. Posture makes a big difference. Like we know that when we stand tall and strong, we release, you know, serotonin. It's a, we're sending the signal to our nervous system that we're confident and we're feeling good. You know, we talk, talk about the Superman pose and then this posture, which now we know teenagers are using their phone seven to nine hours a day outside of homework. They're like this. And, and so just a simple, a simple reframe um, can really make a big difference. Okay, so back to, to what you said, right, with, um, with the melanin in the brain, right, and you said that there are some, there can be holes in there or just things that aren't connecting, can, can that be repaired? Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, our brain is amazing. It is, um, you know, it's just a fascinating thing. It wants us to survive. It wants us to be healthy and we can work with it. Uh, and there's this wonderful word, I say, it's a complex word for hope, but it's called neuroplasticity. And yes. what that word means, I know it's like a six syllable word, but all it is is hope. I love it. Um, and what it means is the brain can always change. It can always learn. It can always rewire. Um, and its growth never ends. Uh, you know, we have this amazing capacity to constantly wire and rewire. And so the book is really based on habits and um, our habits, what we do every day and 
over and over again really determines how our brain is wired. So there's absolutely no evidence that this has to stay the, the way it is. Um, no matter who your child is or you know, how much they've been on screens already, uh, we can move and pivot towards healthier habits um, that will you know, lead them to a place where you know, they're doing much better um, and you can rewire and change. Uh, and the good news is young kids are more neuroplastic, right? So under the age of 24, our brain's still developing. So there's much better opportunity there to make those changes and put those habits in place. Okay, good. You know, we hear that the brain doesn't finish growing until around the age of 24, 25. And so I think it's really good news to hear that, oh, by the way, it's growing and it can repair itself as well. And, and like you said, neuroplasty, uh, you know, the, our brain is, 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 is growing and healing all the time. We need to remember that. So it's never too late. It's never too late. And that is good news. Thank you for that. That's so important. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And please don't forget to subscribe. And I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with me, all my details are in the show notes. And for a copy of my book, go to yellingcurebook.com. Now back to the show. talk about kind of like the the seedy side of these apps and these games so what is it that keeps kids glued to them why are they so enticing yeah and not just kids but us right uh, everybody you know i have seniors who are addicted you know in my practice to candy crush and gambling games and it's really disruptive to their lives so the what that is all about is something called persuasive design. So right. persuasive design is a, uh, a product development technique that is using human psychology and neuroscience to attract people to that product. So, you know, think of sugar, right? Um, you know, put some sugar in and you know that more people are going to, you know, like it and crave it and withdraw from it and potentially get addicted to it. So technology uses it through the manipulation of our dopamine drives. Uh, dopamine is that neurochemical of addiction and we get little hits of dopamine um, and it feels good. It's little hits of pleasure when we do some very primal things. So we evolved from hunters and gatherers, right? Like we were once all, we've only been sitting in desks and cities for a couple hundred years. Prior to that, we were agriculturalists outside. Prior to that, we were out hunting and gathering for 80,000 years of human development. And uh, we get little hits of pleasure when we hunt. So think of uh, video games, right? Um, think of leveling up in a video game. Think of shopping online um, and all of the aspects of that hunt, right? And those little hits of pleasure when you find the product you want. Uh, we get hits of pleasure and dopamine when we gather. So think of gathering friends or followers, gathering comments, um, you know, gathering coins on certain video games. Uh, and we get little hits of pleasure when we superficially socialize. So, you know, that could be like, oh, those little comments and likes. So um, that's dopamine and it feels good. And we all love it. We all love to, you know, have those behaviors but uh, they're very well understood by the tech industry and they're being used uh, to uh, you know, really in ignite that primal 
motivation and um, ignite the fear if we're not doing it, right? So it's a very fear-based phenomenon. And I do have to say, I don't believe the tech industry is like the evil dark side that really wanted to destroy you know, our children. I believe that they are an industry that wants to sell their products like any other industry, and they found a way to do it. Um, you know, that I, I believe, um, you know, is, has a serious side effect. And there's many people in the tech industry, and I, I quote them in my book, who are speaking out and saying, look, you know, we didn't realize this was going to be uh, the consequences. We need to do more to help kids. We need to be more responsible responsible, more ethical. So that conversation is happening. But on the other end, it is being used uh, for sure. So on one end of the screen, you have an immature, underdeveloped brain. And on the other hand, you have the most sophisticated neuroscience known to us um, trying to attract and hook them onto that device. Yikes. Yikes. That is, that's, I don't have a word for that. It's sounds almost diabolical, but like you said, there are people who are keeping, putting their hands up saying, you know what, we didn't mean to. Now that is beyond fascinating what you've just said. I've never heard that before. Hunter gatherers, collectors, um, that is incredible. Like gathering followers, I never thought about that. That is, and those superficial likes and those, you know, that, that is, that is incredible. Now, one of the things that I want to clarify is this hit of dopamine. So the things that I've heard, I've heard lots of different things. And, you know, um, somebody said to me the other day, it's like, it's like doing a line of cocaine. And I said, no, that's not what I understand. But I want you to, to, to bust that myth. Is it like eating a delicious slice of pizza? Or is it like doing a line of cocaine? <laughs> I would say- and Is it that simple? Is it that simple? No, yeah. yeah well, it's actually both. Um, the reason oh. is it's on a spectrum, right? So mm -hmm. if you take all of humans, we our brains are very diverse. It's like a fingerprint, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we are extremely unique and our neural fingerprint is extremely unique. So there are people who can eat pizza and they never get- a food addiction, you know, it's, it doesn't trigger it for them. They get the hit of dopamine and it feels good. Uh, and you know, they, they don't turn to food for, um, coping skills. They don't stress eat. They just eat the pizza, get the pleasure of dopamine and they're off with the rest of their life. To be honest, there's also people who can do that with cocaine, but not as many, right? Yeah, yeah, the amount yeah. of dopamine is very, very high, right? So, um, you know, I don't know if your children listeners here, but the when you, cocaine gives you seven times the amount of dopamine, dopamine than a human orgasm, which is considered oh. one of our most powerful experiences of pleasure. So mm. that's really extreme on that end. And that's why cocaine is more addicting. So it's all about the hit, but it depends on how much. Now, a video game or a social media like is still giving you that hit of dopamine. Um, if your brain is really sensitive to that particular um, activity, that's where you can get in trouble. And it's just like, you know, 78% uh, of people drink alcohol, but most of them, you know, are fine. But 10 to 20% are going to get into significant difficulties with alcohol at some point in their life. We know there's certain risk factors that will convert into the trouble use. Um, and so it's the same with tech. There's certain risk factors that we have to watch for in kids, those kids who are more vulnerable to tech addiction and overuse. Yet all of us are potentially at risk, just like when we drink. So 
you know, we can try to mitigate it and reduce the risk. And I think the key is to watch your child. I have three kids. My oldest son has ADHD um, mm. and learning disorders. He's more at risk. So I have to be more careful. He's also more at risk for sugar addiction and all other addictions. So, you know, I see him, he can eat, uh, he, he, you know, my middle son can eat a cookie and put it away. And my older son will eat the whole box. So I need to be more uh, adaptable and flexible for him because his, his risk of video gaming is more than let's say my other son. Um, but my other son isn't completely clear either because he's a human and he's hitting dopamine. So, you know, we have to really understand that it is uh, on a spectrum and uh, so we don't want to freak out, but we want to be aware, observe our children, think about it uh, and make those choices accordingly. Yeah, I think that's really, that's really good. Uh, I also really like that you just said that our brains are all different and it's like a neural fingerprint, which I think is a really important thing for us to, it, like, like that idea to embrace that in general, that we all have such different brains. And I think that that would actually solve a lot of problems in school and socially and all that too. But we're not here to talk about all of that. But I do, I do think that's a great, that's a great way to say it. And um fascinating again. Thank you so much. This is this has been such a great learning experience, I think, for me and for everybody listening as well. Um, so let's now talk about, I want to talk about the stress and anxiety and cortisol and how that comes into play. So can you explain what cortisol is? Because I think people have heard of dopamine, but maybe not as much about cortisol. Right. So cortisol is our hormone of stress. Um, it's is um, actually you know there to protect us from life-threatening situations right so uh and it will fire uh when we experience stress and stress could be you know something someone said to us but you got it it's all in context so let's say you know a coworker said something to you or your child is you know being all flippant and really hurt your feelings well on day one you know you could just let it pass and be like, oh, well, it's just a teenager, you know, she'll grow out of it, whatever. Day two, let's say you're sleep deprived. Let's say, you know, you haven't moved your body um, that week enough. And, you know, your coworker also said something. And now that exact same comment can release cortisol. And the key to cortisol is it puts us into a freeze, fight, or flight response. Um, mm -hmm. That is our survival response. And what's really important the only thing that happens there is freeze, fight, or flight. Now, what that means for humans in animals, you know, it's a deer in headlight freeze, it's a tiger roaring fight, it's a bird flying away flight. What that means for humans, our freeze is anxiety, it's procrastination, it's indecisiveness, it's perfectionism and controlling behaviors. Our fight is irritability, anger, and rage, and our flight is mental so we turn to alcohol, we drink wine, uh, we play video games, we go shopping online, we mentally escape, we watch Netflix, which is what I do. So we have to understand that when we're living in stress, regardless of what it is, it could be traffic, it could be our bills, it could be being too busy, being sleep deprived, we're firing that cortisol. Um, and on technology, there are certain specific things that we know fire cortisol. I already mentioned the posture and sitting, uh, but we also know activities like uh, feeling FOMO, fear of missing out, uh, and comparing your life to others, fake filtered life. It's a very common behavior. 
uh, on tech is really stressful and it will fire cortisol. Uh, of course, cyberbullying and reading hate and all of the negativity will fire it too. So that's where we make choices to, uh, if we're going to use tech, we say to ourselves, you know what, I'm going to use tech, but I don't want to fire cortisol during this experience. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, that is incredible. Wait, I, I, I'm sorry, but Dr. Kang, you are incredible. <laughs> um, I got to take that all in. So we, we, wow. Being in a state of fight, flight, or freeze is not good for us at all. Yeah. And that extended time being in fight, flight, or freeze, what does that do to us? Oh, well, it, it, uh, it weakens us really. It, um, you know, we know cortisol actually reduces our immune system. Uh, so think of the pandemic and you're scared of going out and you're scared and you're watching all the news and you're stressed. Well, your immune system is actually getting weakened. Um, so we want to have a strong immune system to fight any viruses or bacteria. So, you know, it weakens our immune system, it weakens our bones, it weakens our, uh, it's linked to anxiety and depression. And people say, well, how is that possible? I'm, you know, if stress is a threat, why am I getting weaker? Um, the reason yeah. is um, that threat, that sense of, of stress is, uh, for a life-threatening situation and all of our body's energy and resources are used to deal with an immediate threat. But if you're getting stressed over your emails, um, you know, you are going to deplete uh, your, your body's reserves. And then that's where you see the weakening happening in different areas. So I tell people the easiest way to get out of survival, out of this stress response into where we want to live, which is a relaxation response and in the growth nervous system, you don't need to know the words, but survival is sympathetic nervous system and growth is parasympathetic. All of life happens in the growth nervous system. That is where all learning happens, all repair, you know, if you twist your ankle or you cut your finger, it's going to repair and recover and grow in the relaxation nervous system. It's not going to do that in stress because you're worried about surviving over here. You're not going to fix your broken finger or, you know, your sprained ankle uh, because there you're worried about survival. So all happiness, all joy, all creativity happens in growth. So it's really simple. Simple is not easy. The only way, the way to get from survival to growth, I say, is anything you wouldn't do if you were being chased by a tiger. So if you were being chased by a tiger, you wouldn't take slow, deep breaths. That's why breathing moves us from survival to growth. If you're being chased by a tiger, you wouldn't stop and be grateful for three things in your life. Uh, <laughs> if you're being chased by a tiger, you wouldn't play. You wouldn't do a cartwheel. You wouldn't look at an interesting rock or stare at the clouds. Curiosity, play, recreation moves us from survival to growth you wouldn't have a meaningful conversation if you're being chased by a tiger you would run like hell so you know yes it's sophisticated neuroscience but it's very simple it's simple things those things we know are important the the play the connection the downtime will keep us out of that stress response and into that growth response Wow, that is really that is really great uh, and and look, I know that when we live in those stress in that stress response that we are weaker and it's I, I think what's really interesting though is the way that you laid out freeze, fight, and flight freeze being is equal to anxiety, 
flight is anger, irritation, and so on. And um, flight is wine and Netflix, you know, and I know I simplified what you said, but, you know, drinking uh, alcohol, like it's, it's just, it's numbing, it's checking out, right? So I think that that's something for us to just notice about our own lifestyle, right? And where can we add in some more peaceful time to repair and to grow? I think that's, that's a really important message to hear for everybody. So in other words, don't feel bad and guilty when you need to rest. Downtime is not a crime. It's okay, right? (laughs) Give your brain a rest. Give your body a rest. It's okay. (laughs) In fact, it's absolutely necessary for our growth, right? And survival. And, you know, it's just stigmatized. We have all these messages that stigmatize uh, what we really need. And, you know, when we get, when we think about technology, um, you know, so the way we can understand, we can use tech to get those positive neurochemicals. Um, and that's what I call healthy tech. So, you know, the toxic tech is the cortisol tech. Um, you don't want that. You got to be careful of the junk tech or snack tech. That's the dopamine driven, just like junk food, sugar, uh, you know, eating a bag of chips is kind of mindless. If you're mindlessly scrolling Instagram, you're zoning out in a video game. It's just like eating a bag of candy. There's no nutritional value, but you're kind of hooked on it a little bit. It's not going to kill you, but you got to be careful and monitor that. And what you want is the healthy tech, um, the tech that leads to self-care, so that would be sleep, mindfulness apps, um, uh, fitness, Fitbits, any kind of self-care tech that leads to positive connection, you know, like this podcast, like you're building a community, you're having meaningful conversations, you're doing community activism, and tech that leads to creativity. So you're building a website, you're making the TikTok video, you are the leader, right? You are innovating, there's so much amazing design arts that can happen on tech. So that releases, uh, self-care releases endorphin, Uh, connection releases oxytocin and creativity releases serotonin. Now those are your ingredients of a healthy tech diet. And I say, if you care, connect and create, those are the three things you want to do on tech. So uh, consume the healthy tech, limited monitor the junk tech and avoid that toxic tech. I love it. That is so great. And I love that you're leaving us on a really high note that look, there, there are different ways to, to do this, to look at it. And look, I've been, I've been guilty of it too, like scrolling through. And then I, I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Like, it's okay. I could, I could go just go walk outside for a minute and take a breath of fresh air instead of mindlessly scrolling through or trying to match, you know, five Uh, like colored boxes uh, to get a win. You know, I mean, it's silly what we do. So this has been, wow, one of the most informative conversations I've had. Thank you so much, Dr. Shimmy Kang. You are incredible. The book, again, is The Tech Solution. And um, I think that every parent needs it. I really do. And I've read through it and it is so good and leaves us feeling hopeful and in control. And that is what we want to feel in this whole area that we feel helpless in, right? And you have provided that for us. So I just want to thank you so much, so much. Thank you, Robin. I'm so glad. Um, You know, and I do hope it opens up conversations uh, about this really important issue. You know, I found it amazing. My sons told me they thought Fortnite was like nachos. They're like, you know, it's a little bit 
junky, we know, but it's also social. It's different than those, you know, loner video games and they're laughing and joking with their friends. It really was a great way to understand and for them to understand that, yeah, I'm not going to eat nachos every day, but you know, it's certainly better than a first person shooter game. Uh, and so I really hope the paradigm helps parents. And in the book, I have a six step plan for a reset because mm -hmm. uh, we need a plan. Uh, you know, habits are formed, but we can change. It does take time uh, and it takes a plan, you know, it, because of that persuasive design, because of how connected and hooked we can be on tech. So I really hope the book helps, this podcast helps. And, you know, I'm here for the community. You know, if um, people reach out to me, you can find me online um, and on on social media and uh, people send me questions. I try my best to answer them. I have a new YouTube channel called Mental Wealth with mm -hmm. Dr. Shimmy Kang. And I have little snippets of neuroscience, um, you know, the stress response, coping skills, the tech diet, what we talked about today. So, uh, you know, you can find all that information uh, online too. And that's healthy tech. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to use it in a, in a positive way. That's right. Oh, well, that's fantastic. This too is healthy tech right now, this podcast. So um, I'm going to include all of your social links everywhere people can find you because I know that once people hear this podcast, they're going to want to know more about you. And where can people get your book? Sure. So my book's available anywhere books are sold. So, um, you know, online, Amazon, Penguin Random House, uh, website and in chapters or indigo sorry right now it's actually if you go in it's right there in the front so uh, cool. that's fantastic and uh, and then local bookstores of course independent bookstores so really anywhere and then on my website uh, also are links uh, to my mental wealth youtube channel right and of course all over the world right all the over the world the book will be translated into mandarin korean um, different languages, um, you know, the dolphin parent was translated in 12 different languages. And we expect that the same, at least if not more here. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Thank it was great to see you again. And uh, I hope this isn't the last time we speak because you are a wealth of information. Thank you so much. Well, I love what you do. Love to come back. Thank you for all your amazing work for the community, Robin. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and peace.